This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello there, and welcome to America WK. This is Andrew WK. It is a privilege and a pleasure, as it has always been, for me to be with you once again. For another episode, our 33rd episode. Imagine that. 33, the number of vertebrae in the human spine. Also, some say the age of Jesus Christ when he died or when he was crucified before he rose. Others point to that number for various other reasons. I actually remember that the studio in which I took photos for this very radio show, America WK, at the Blaze headquarters in Texas, we used Studio 33 to take the photos. And uh, I can't believe that here we are now. 33 episodes in to this radio program, our weekly radio show. And it really feels very, very recent. Thinking back to that photo shoot before a single episode of this show made it to air. It just seemed like a few weeks ago. Why is that? How come some memories Some distant experiences in the past seem so close, so full of vitality, as though you're still going through it in a way. I wonder if perhaps almost all our experiences are never really complete, meaning they're not really isolated moments that happened and then are over. They're actually still happening. In a very real, literal way, if I look back at kicking off this radio program, I could look at this entire experience of being with you week to week as one big moment, as one long unfolding experience that started with that photo shoot in Studio 33 at the Blaze headquarters. So it wasn't just a segment of time. It wasn't just a compartment It was all part of a long thread. And I suppose that's what life is. A long thread, not necessarily made up of moments. But somehow the entire thing is one big moment. I suppose that's what they are hinting at when people describe 
their life flashing before their eyes. Now, I've never had a near-death experience, nothing literal, at least in terms of my uh, body actually being in physical harm's way. I have yet to actually go into one of those truly cataclysmic moments where you think you are about to die. I've had dreams in which I had experiences like that that were very vivid. Uh, out of respect for people who have had near-death experiences, I would never say my dream was equal to the intensity of a living near-death experience. But the dream had some of these same qualities that I've heard people describe when they talk about their close call with the end. And one of those very peculiar and mysterious phenomenon they describe is this experience of one's life as a solid, total moment. That what we seem to experience as a passing through, a going through life, the days and weeks and months moving from left to right, as though your life is a timeline, that in fact it's actually one thing. It's one constant thing. And that's why, thinking back to the beginning of my radio adventure with you, feels like right now, feels like the same thing that I'm doing right now, because it is the same thing. Oh boy, I don't know if this makes any sense at all, but I hope you understand what I'm getting at. As we so often do on this radio show, I'm trying to tear into these thoughts. It's the kind of thoughts that you have to yourself that you don't even really know you're having. It's, a, it's an inner dialogue without a voice. It's these moments of clarity that when we try to express them, somehow slip through our fingers into confusion. And boy, oh boy, does that happen a lot as I'm trying to put words to these inner experiences. I don't know how else to, to say it, but I think you can relate. And even if just relating to these uh, intangibles, these thoughts that seem isolated, seem private, seem completely unique, I think that's the one thing we have in common more than anything. Those feelings that lie at the very floor, before our beliefs, before our opinions, before our experiences, the, the, the primal feeling of being a person who's alive in the world. If we can bond together there a little more often, well, I know it makes me feel a lot better about life. And I don't mean better in a cheerful, kind of carefree way. I mean better in terms of hope, in terms of purpose. It creates a sense of meaning, and a, 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 it creates a sense of truth that there's something going on here that maybe I will never fully understand, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening and that it's not beautiful. These Parts of ourselves that seem so deep, so isolated, so remote, that even we can barely access them, 
or get in touch with them, let alone trying to connect with someone else in regards to these inner worlds. But that might be the thing we have most in common over everything else. I am on tour right now. It's a holiday tour, the tradition of sorts. I love traveling around the country at this time of year, especially in the Northeast where we have the beautiful winter weather that really enhances and amplifies what I consider to be the holiday feeling. Of course, I was born in California. Those first four Christmases I experienced without anything like snow or even cold weather wasn't until I moved to Michigan that Christmas started looking and feeling like it did in the movies, like it did in the picture books and Christmas stories I had been read. That's when uh, I got that real dose of Santa Claus spirit, and it really made sense. Because it was sort of hard to connect that Santa vision when you were walking around with palm trees and 75-degree weather in California. With all due respect to my home state or my birth state, I like cold weather. So I am traveling right now, and on the plane ride that kicked off this tour, they had one of those TVs in the backs of the seats. The whole the whole flight had those. I'm really impressed with the upgrades they've been making on planes so that everybody has what used to be reserved for just first class. It's nice that everybody gets to have some of these bonuses, like a little TV screen. And I was watching, I was delighted to find that one of my favorite shows was on TV. It's that show, perhaps you have seen it, called What Would You Do? And this has been on for quite some time now. Uh, If you just look up What Would You Do? You can find clips of it on the computer very easily. It's a hidden camera show, but this show, to me, if you are feeling down about humanity, if you uh, want to find your way back to a belief in the goodness of people. This show will do it probably in the space of about five minutes. I was crying. I had to keep wiping my nose. It was pretty intense. This is America WK. There's all kinds of stuff to talk about. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK. All right, we're back. Uh, America WK, this is Andrew WK. I almost lost track and scrambled to get towards the end there before our break. But what I was talking about before the break was a wonderful TV program called What Would You Do? 
It's a very simple premise. It's a hidden camera. They set up essentially social situations, situations in which people are in a public place like a restaurant or a uh, shopping mall or walking along the sidewalk. And usually uh, these unsuspecting observers witness some sort of social scene involving uh, perhaps a couple arguing in a certain way or a child and their parent interacting in a, in a certain way or any number of situations. And it's always remarkable to be watching this show because they have many clips in each episode, many scenarios. It's always remarkable how they come up with these situations. And just when you think, oh, they must have run the gamut, they'll come up with another one that seems very essential, very elemental. Like a child whose mom realizes she doesn't have enough money to buy him a toy at the toy shop. And then you see stranger after stranger, very subtly or humbly or quietly without making a big show of it, uh, offer or almost insist on paying for the toy. And it goes on and on and on like this. Now, of course, this is a, a show that they're producing and editing for effect. But uh, it seems extremely genuine to me. And even if there are many situations in which the uh, unsuspecting onlookers or strangers being filmed don't participate or get involved or showcase or display some beautiful act of kindness, selflessness, generosity, concern, or just humanity, there's enough that do to truly warm your heart. And the feeling that I had sitting on the airplane flying around the country to begin this holiday tour that I'm on right now. And in case you weren't aware, uh, I am first and foremost, a hard partying rock and roll musician, just in case you didn't realize that. And that may in fact explain a lot that might explain to you why this is not uh, your typical radio program, because I'm not a professional radio host. I'm a professional partier. So partying is my bread and butter. And getting to do this radio show is like icing on that bread and butter. Not even icing on the cake, it's the bonus. I never thought I would be able to uh, do a show like this. But anyway, here I am doing it. And I wanted to just not only encourage you to check out that show if you haven't before, but even uh, more importantly than that, it made me not only remember, but truly realize the inherent goodness in humanity, in most people. And when I say most, I mean the staggeringly large majority, a type of goodness. I think that actually even goes beyond what we think we're capable of. I think that uh, most of us probably don't think we're actually that good. Now I'm saying this first and foremost from my own experience, from my own feelings about myself. And I, I'm not trying to be overly modest. I feel like I have a lot to work, a lot to work on personally. A lot of this show is more or less my effort in getting there by talking about these sort of basic efforts to improve as a person. And I imagine most of us, even the most accomplished and enlightened and advanced we probably all feel, and we probably all do, have work to do, personally, or in many other areas. That's what life is. It's a chance to do that work. But I think 
no matter how hard on yourself you may be, or no matter how many shortcomings you may feel you have, or no matter how many resentments or prejudices you may even think you have, there's something about the human spirit that actually even transcends those shortcomings, those weaknesses that we think we have. I think we would surprise ourselves that we could be someone who considers themselves to be very bitter or very cold or very cruel or very unconcerned with the well-being of other people, especially strangers. And when push came to shove and we were faced with a situation in which we could have either not participated, not displayed kindness or our human strength, I think most of us actually would. And even if we didn't act upon it, I bet you we would feel it. It's almost like trying to say that you're not burned when you hold your hand to a flame. There's something so powerful about this impulse to care that it transcends even our efforts to hold back, even our efforts to be callous, to be uncaring, are thwarted by what must be some kind of maybe even biological impulse. But if it is biological or evolutionary, however you want to describe it, the purpose for it being there says something very deep about our existence here, our relationship to one another, especially our relationship to those we don't know. Our relationships to friends and family, we understand. Even if they're not perfect, there's something that we, we can really grasp there. We know how they relate to our daily lives. We know why we interact with those people that are closest to us. But when we have interactions with people that we may never have seen before and may never see again, that seems to tear away the facade that stands in the way of who we really are. That's, I guess what you'd say, when our, the, the true colors come out. And that's why the title of this TV show, What Would You Do, is so great because you can't help but ask yourself, what would I do if I saw someone suffering? What would I do if someone seemed like they needed help? What would I do if I was faced with a test to be a stronger, better person? And just being in that state of mind connects me to you connects us all to the hope that we can possibly reach our true potential to transcend those parts of ourselves that are not worthy of our abilities our lowness as people and I'm not saying that to accuse you of being weak but anything that we have that holds us back, we're not worthy of giving into it. We have too much ability to do good. We have too much strength to give into weakness. 
it's like having this incredibly well-designed machine that can perform all these incredibly intricate tasks, then taking that machine and using it as a hammer. When in fact that machine is capable of almost solving every riddle or problem in the entire world. Let life bring out those qualities. Devote ourselves to letting those qualities come out. There's a lot more that we're going to be talking about today. It's America WK. Don't go away. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. You want to talk about Hillary Clinton? Show of hands. Hillary Clinton? <laughs> Don't all volunteer at once. Well, it's nothing good about Hillary Clinton, I can assure you that. Let's talk about uh, Cruz first. Uh, by the way, speaking of Mr. Cruz, the latest polling show him surging, uh, polls rather, show him surging into second place nationally. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of party invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. You're just talking about restoring one's faith in humanity. You know it when you feel it. It could come from particular encounter with a certain person. It can come oftentimes from the living arts, from literature, from music. It can come from a story. It can come from some subtle inner realization about what matters in life. It can come from an absolutely cataclysmic event. But anything that we have access to, that we can count on to restore our faith in humanity, to restore our belief in the quality, the inherent goodness in life, stay close to that. Do not doubt that. And not only stay close to that, but identify that same thing, not as an outside mechanism, not as an outside tool, not as an outside phenomenon, but as something within yourself. So that when you do encounter it, you realize that it's always been in you all along. That's the good stuff. That's what makes getting through the hard stuff worthwhile. If we don't have that goodness to cling to, to work towards, to return to, the hopelessness closes in. The despair takes over. The confusion becomes insurmountable without that guiding light. That acceptance, not even a belief, an acceptance of a truth, that life has to be good. Even if we don't know exactly how, even if it doesn't make sense, even if we haven't figured it out yet, that it must be good or it wouldn't be at all. 
So as I said, I am on tour right now, and I play these shows. I play keyboard, and I sing songs about partying. And they're very high-energy, loud rock and roll songs, whether you like that style of music or not, or whether you would like my particular music. I'm sure you can imagine the style I'm describing, if you haven't heard it. I think of it sort of like as an athletic event. Now, just about every musician or performer that I've ever seen, even the most sedate or calm or serene music requires a type of physical effort. But the particular style that I am engaged in, as is often the case with rock and roll music, is extraordinarily physical. Physical not just in the sound of the music, but physical in the execution of that sound. Demands your body as much as it demands your spirit. And in those moments of performance, when a performer is pushed to their limits in every way, there's this beautiful fusing, this beautiful synergy, this coming together of all these somewhat separate or delineated areas of a person. All of a sudden, their voice is connected with the body, is connected with the spirit, is connected with their mind, is connected with the instrument. It all becomes one thing, one solid tone unto itself. And as much as the music is emanating from the performer, emanating from the instrument, emanating from the music, the person is emanating out of the instrument. Or that instrument is going back into that person. It's very difficult to separate them. The keyboard can't play itself. Well, I suppose you can program it to, like a player piano. But even that programming takes someone to program it in. So it's all bound up together. And for me personally, probably the most thrilling feeling of all is to have that synergy, to experience every part of yourself working together as one. And maybe it always is. Maybe it always is. But there's something about the physicality involved, much like sports. That's, again, why I think, I think about athletes a lot because there's a, a type of stamina involved, a type of physical endurance. I mean, I have, uh, I've worn heart rate monitors, like those kind you can you wrap it around your chest and it connects to a, a watch that you can wear and you measure your pulse. And my pulse was in the high 180s all the way into the low 200s, more or less at uh, the near maximum or maximum heart rate for the majority of the time I'm performing. Now, these are not extraordinarily long performances. They're also not very dynamic. It's more or less 100% the entire time with brief moments of contrast, maybe even just the end of a song where there's a quick break, a quick breather, and then back into it. 
But when you are uh, pushing yourself at that level, you have to call upon a different type of strength. And what I have found, and I imagine you have found this, whether you're an athlete or not, whether you're a performer or not, when you have to call upon the strength, you end up not calling on a strength that's inside you. When I feel like I can't go on any longer on stage, when there's nothing more inside of me to draw upon, to pull out from, you have to call upon something else. And there's something about that reaching out of yourself. It's not an asking. It's not a searching. It's some kind of uh, strange and very mysterious way of reaching out to reach back in. That when you admit that there's no more inside you, you somehow make contact with an infinite storehouse of power, of energy, of vitality. I guess that's the life force itself. I mean, I've heard people talk about this again, as we were discussing in the very beginning of the episode today, in moments of near-death experience, that they literally felt their inner life slipping away whatever that spark is that keeps us going, that flame, they felt it flickering out. And almost not in a panic, but in a type of calm resignation, they turned themselves over to a power that was beyond themselves. However you would want to define that. And if it's just the vastness of space. And somehow, in this paradoxical way, reaching out into that vast space beyond ourselves, connected to the deepest part inside our very hearts and souls. And that'll keep you going. It's America WK. This is America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. It's like, I know, don't worry about it. I got it. All right, I got it. Think about Think it. Think about it. Spoons. <laughs> oh. Jeremy thinks the, the forcefulness of his voice makes him right. Yeah. And he does have a big, ballsy voice, so he just he just says it loudly and deeply and assumes that everyone's going to be like, oh, wow, he must know. Wow, yeah. He must Did know. you hear how he said that? Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. It's Andrew WK here. Boy, you know, I don't want to necessarily apologize, but I want to admit, I want to uh, make it understood 
that I realize at times that this show perhaps devolves into a type of rambling as I am wrestling with my own inability to try and describe what I'm getting at. I hope that maybe just one out of every 100 words, or maybe two out of every 100 words, makes some kind of sense. This is uh, it's challenging for me, but I feel like we're getting somewhere. We're talking about this, this ability that we have to pull ourselves up when we feel like we just cannot go on anymore. That when you think you've given everything you have, somehow it's at that moment when you actually have nothing left that you get given more. As though you had to prove that you would be willing to push yourself to that limit. Now, I don't know that I've ever reached that personally. I don't know that we necessarily would want to reach that. That's an extraordinary situation or circumstance that maybe you just happen to find yourself in or you work your way up towards. Maybe that's what happens at the moment of death. Maybe that is, in fact, exactly what death is. You have given all you have. And once you are truly tapped out, you get reloaded, reinvigorated in some transcendent way that we can only imagine. And there's something about the, the, the fearlessness that's required to be willing to let go. It's like uh, jumping off that building when you're told you can fly and you just think this is insane. There's no way I'm going to fly. I'm going to jump off this building and I'm going to hit the pavement below. We have seen this actually in many allegories and, uh, of course, in some movies. It's a great way of illustrating this trust where there should be no trust. Uh, belief in something that forces us to topple reason from its lofty perch at the apex of our thought process. It seems very dangerous. It seems very risky to ever look at the world that way. That essentially what should be impossible maybe isn't. Or that how things ultimately work maybe is not the case. Or maybe it's not so hard and fast. What if the way the whole world was set up was a little bit different than we thought? Maybe that's what going through life shows us that it is a little bit different than we thought. It's certainly been different than I thought as I've been going through it. I'm, I'm always realizing that it's different than I thought. Just when I think I've figured out some big chunk of life, it's usually revealed to me that I was only just beginning to see things. And I don't even know if I'm seeing them as they are or just seeing another piece or if it's always changing and morphing. Are we exposing some truth or is the truth so slippery that you can't expose it before it changes into something else playing on stage there's times when you're backstage you realize that you only have a couple minutes before you're going to go and push yourself to the absolute limit and there's a very odd disconnect when i'm touring when i'm traveling like i am now everything is pointed and heading 
towards the show. From the minute I get up, it's all a crescendo towards that moment on stage. The entire day, let's say it's 12 hours. It's 11 hours of preparing for that hour on stage. And there's times when you feel very far away. I mean, you might physically be very far away from the stage. Might even be in an airplane, thousands of miles away from the stage. But it's still all leading to this peak moment. And there's times when I can't imagine what we're about to go do. I can't believe that I'm going to leave this perhaps comfortable hotel room where I'm propped up in bed, watching Law and Order on TV in relative serenity and quiet. And then we'll be in just a matter of moments, completely drenched in sweat with blaring, loud, jarring jackhammer music, screaming my head off, pounding on the piano keys. I can't believe that's about to happen. And actually, it's about to happen right now. I'm about to go play a show later today. And there's sometimes I don't know how I'm going to do it. Whether it's uh, going in with a type of physical exhaustion, whether it's been, as I've told you before, going on stage completely sick with a fever or worse. And at that moment, talk about reaching out. I turn myself over to everything except myself. And again, in some way, that turning yourself over connects you to yourself. How can reaching out at the same time be like reaching in? It's like when a, a cartoon character sticks their hand out off one side of the TV screen, and then it circles back from the other side. It's like some kind of Mobius strip. No, oh, those aren't very good examples. I don't know. It's America WK. That's all I know. I'll be right back. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. But our gods in D.C., our golden calves in D.C., they have no answer to that. That's why no one ever says who purchased them. They just say they were legally purchased. Once you think a little more about this concept of theodicy, why does bad thing happen to good government? It makes sense why after every bad thing that happens, they turn to their all-powerful government for assurance and then attack anyone else that might get in its Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. It's Andrew WK. We've been a little bit all over the place today because I've been all over the place, literally, as I've been traveling and touring on my holiday tour, a rock and roll tour partying for the holidays 
And I've been talking about uh, performing a lot because that's what I've been doing each night. Uh, there's been times on this tour already where I've gone on, uh, gone into the show, about to go on stage, thinking there's no way this is about to happen. And and, and keep in mind now, uh, certainly I've not performed as many as other people have in this world, but my fair share, I don't know how many shows now I've played total in my life, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, perhaps into the thousands. I wouldn't be surprised. And yet there's still those times, even last night, where I, in many ways, had no idea how I was going to be able to do what I was going to do. And when that music kicks in, all of that doubt is gone. You turn yourself over to the music. You turn yourself over to what is in the music, which is power which is feeling, a good feeling, which is some sort of truth. There is some shred of truth. I mean, we talk about the elusive nature of truth. What does it really mean? What would truth even be if we could define it or encounter it directly in a very nice, tight, graceful package? Well, I don't know, but I think we get glimpses of it. And I think for anyone who loves music, whether you play music or not, whether you understand music or not, if you feel music, there has got to be something about that which is synonymous with truth. And when you turn yourself over to that, it's one of the most fantastic feelings in the world. If I try to do my performance, for example, which is, again, it's very physical, involves a lot of dancing and flailing around the certain kind of dance moves. I, I Now, personally, I'm not a dancer at all. I mean, anyone can see that. And these moves I do on stage with my songs, I can't do them to other songs by other people. Not so much. I still enjoy other people's music incredibly. But there's something about the music that I made in particular, which brings out this style of energy in myself. And I hope, of course, other people. And even when I try to recreate some of these dance moves that I do off stage, you know, maybe for a, a video or just for fun or hanging out with friends, or someone asks me to do a certain type of fist pump or headbang or high kick or something, it's very difficult for me to just do it without that music on. Uh, if I concentrate very hard and try to hear the song in my head, in my inner ear, in my mind, I can kind of get it. But there's something that takes over. There's something that takes over when that music comes on. And if you're not a musician or a performer and you don't necessarily have this exact experience, I imagine you have something similar of something taking over a type of enthusiasm, a type of energy, a type of clarity, a type of focus where something takes over. Now, I've heard people describe this, especially performers, as um, another spirit. Sometimes performers even have alternate names for themselves when they're in this mode. Now, I understand that and I respect people's attempts to describe these very mysterious 
experiences in whatever way makes sense to them. I don't relate to that at all. Because when I'm performing and doing my best, I don't think of it as some outside force or some other version of myself or some other persona or other spirit descending or rising up into me. It's just me at my best. It is me, the best version of me that I can be. And that is what I wish for everybody. That you can have something in your life. Maybe you don't get to do it every single day. Maybe you don't get to do it almost ever. But at least once, have that experience of doing the thing which makes you the best version of you that there could possibly be. Makes you who you really are. That may, in fact, be the purpose of life. To find that thing and do it. And not rest once you found it, but almost once you find that thing that makes you who you are, makes you be the best you can be, that's when life really starts. If there is such a thing as reincarnation, I imagine a big part of going back and reliving life over and over again is living it over and over again until you find the reason that you're supposed to be living in the first place. And then once you find that thing, maybe that's when the real adventure of life begins or the real purpose where you can really move through development. Well, I'm not saying I've gotten there. I could still even be wrong about what I meant to do. I mean, that could all be part of the process. This is all could be a huge joke on me, but you get a, you get a pretty strong inkling that you might have stumbled across the thing you were born to do when you can feel it making you a better person. Where the, where the, the, the pursuit itself, the activity itself, the thing itself makes you better than yourself. Does it make you into a different person? It's not even really changing you. It's releasing all the bad stuff and just leaving the best stuff. And I don't think that's really about any outside force, or certainly not a malevolent force. Or maybe that's how it goes for some folks. I don't know. But when you see someone in the throes of that type of effortless enthusiasm, that kind of excitement that is contagious where even if you don't know the person or relate to what they're doing, you're just excited that someone could be doing something that they love so much. It even transcends love. It even transcends preference or taste or opinion. There's a sense of duty, of a calling, that doing this thing that you're supposed to do is more important than what you feel like doing or what you might enjoy doing. It kind of transcends taste, preference, pleasure. It's above pleasure. Because it's not always easy. In fact, it's usually very challenging and painful. But all of that difficulty and all that pain is made very worthwhile just by that one little glimpse 
that one little sense that this must be why I'm here. Is what you're doing in life making you a better person? You can feel it when it's happening. Be honest. Be honest with yourself about this. And there's no shame if it's not. Because it's never too late to change things up. It's never too late to start the search. It's, it's certainly never too early to begin the search. But it's also not too late to continue. You can feel that feeling. It's, it's, it's kind of frightening. Because it might ask of us a lot. It might ask us to do things that we don't know if we can do. Our destiny is going to really test us. And we might not have what it takes right now. We might have what it takes in a year. We might have what it takes in another lifetime. But it is calling for us. It is infinitely patient. And the way that we can identify that destiny is by that unmistakable feeling of improvement, of quality, of something in you changing, being released. It's actually not changing. It's the same thing. It's the part of you that was always there. It's America WK. America WK with your host, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin. Progressives, rhinos, every idea they have ever had and have now requires either some of your freedom or some of your money. Not one Democrat has an idea that does not force you to comply if you don't voluntarily do so and does not require your freedom and your money. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew W.K. Welcome back to America W.K. Today's episode, we've been talking a lot about this type of uh, activity or pursuit or interest or could be a job, work in a formal sense that connects you with who you really are and how we can tell when that's happening by this type of all encompassing pleasure. It's pleasure on a physical level, on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a spiritual level. It makes life feel right. That's how you can tell that you're doing what you're meant to do. It's not necessarily that it's easy or that it's fun. It goes beyond that. Because, again, from my own experience, there's been times when I have almost dreaded, actually, no, fully dreaded things that I felt I had to do or that I wanted to do or that I decided to do. I mean, this is where it gets hard to pin down. Because when you're following your destiny, 
in a way, it feels like it has nothing to do with you. I mean, it, it, it feels like it's been taken out of your hands. You're not making decisions anymore in terms of what to do. You're following a path. And then the only question is, do you have the strength to follow that path? And there'll be these moments when you won't feel like doing it. I mean, I've just, again, just felt all the time. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I'm scared to do this. I feel nervous about doing this. Any number of things. In fact, I think almost everything that I've been doing personally, including this radio show, including doing this episode with you today, if someone had said, oh, well, you have a choice. It's not going to make any difference in some kind of way. You have a choice. You don't have to do the episode. Well, part of me might think, oh, well, that's great. It takes the pressure off. Great. I don't have to do it. But much deeper down inside in a much stronger way. I wouldn't want that at all because I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And I don't mean supposed to as though it was assigned by my boss or even by you, the listener, that uh, this was some kind of obligation. It's a cosmic obligation. And by that, I mean it's a, it transcends what we think of as the order of day-to-day life of humanity. This is calling from beyond the pettiness and triviality of jobs or professions. This goes beyond that. And there's nothing wrong with jobs or professions, but they are only a means to an end. They are only a means to a larger end, which is this destiny. And that's when you can really tell. It, it, that's when you can really, really tell when, even though, in a way, you don't want to do the thing because it is hard, because it is painful, because it is scary, because it is nerve-wracking, because it's full of anxiety, because you don't know if you'll be able to do it. And yet still, for some reason, deeper down inside, you you know you want to do it. You say, why are you doing this if you don't like it? And almost you do it because you don't like it. And not in a, a perverse way, not in a backwards way. But there's something about knowing that it's not the easy thing that makes you want to do it. Or that you do it despite that. I mean, then you really know you're on to something. You're not trying to make your life hard. Life is going to be hard one way or another. But when you commit to not stopping, when you make that promise to go through with it, regardless of how hard it is, well, then perhaps. We're following our destiny. And however you get that, just please, please, please don't doubt it. Hold on to it. By all means, do it. Even if it's not your job, even if it doesn't pay money, I think that's one of the main culprits, uh, one of the most unfortunate aspects of living in a civilized society is that we think because something doesn't necessarily pay dollars that it doesn't count. You could spend your entire life working a very specific job, being successful or not, but making money to survive and still pursue your destiny alongside that, which might not pay a single cent. We should never feel the need or the pressure to equate success as a person with success financially. 
It's a terrible mistake. For some people, their destiny is financial success. For some people, whatever success they have in following their heart, they actually can then later apply to their money-making endeavors. But I have met far too many people who have given up or not even bothered to begin doing what they really love to do because they don't see how it will pay. They don't see how they'll be able to earn money from it. You know, it's, uh, it's almost like drinking water. I mean, I always try to think of these most basic comparisons. We don't drink water because it makes us money. I mean, I suppose you could say, yeah, if I don't drink water, I'll die, and then I can't earn money one way or another. You drink water because it fulfills and quenches a very specific desire. And following one's destiny, doing what one is born to do, should feel very much like having to drink water when you're thirsty. That you would do it no matter what. And actually, you would go to great, great lengths to get that water or to do that thing which your soul is itching to do. So don't give up. Don't give up. And I'm saying that to myself as much as I'm saying it to you. Don't give up. In fact, just remove that whole need for satisfaction from the equation. This is a discipline. This is a mission. This is a promise. And we are not pursuing this mission we are not going on this adventure we are not devoting ourselves to this commitment to our destiny to actually have any particular result if we get that whole need for results off the table then we can just completely focus on doing it not judging how we're doing not looking for a specific outcome or a measure of success as we go. I mean, those will pop up from time to time and they're nice or they're discouraging, but that doesn't, it's not going to have any impact on whether we keep going or not. We are going one way or another. I mean, there is just something so fantastic about making a promise to yourself when it comes to following your heart, following what you were meant to do. You simply promise to do it, whether you want to or not, whether you feel like doing it or not, whether it's hard or not, whether it's successful or not, whether it is going well or not. You just keep doing it. It's almost like survival itself. It's almost the beauty of the way the human body will do everything it possibly can to keep on living to keep on functioning it makes a promise because that's what it's meant to do and we must fulfill what we're meant to do really against all obstacles especially the main obstacle one's self it's America WK I'll be right back a party for being alive this is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network
Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. So this is an intensification of a strategy that the president announced more than a year ago. Intensification? Uh, See, it's just an intensification, Doc. Is that a word? It's an intensification of the strategy. Is that a word? I don't know. You know what that reminded me of, though? Allow me to proctologize myself. <laughs> I didn't realize that Josh Ernest's career had started on In Living Color. It did, actually. I didn't realize apparently. that's where he got his start See, writing for See, it's an intensification of the conflict with the Syrian people. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. We've been focusing in the last few segments here on the idea of destiny, on the idea of doing what you are meant to do, as opposed to doing what you feel like, doing what you want, doing what you are supposed to do doing what you were born to do. And one thing that uh, I was thinking about yesterday and, and earlier earlier today was that kind of discouragement that comes from, I guess, looking at other people's particular paths and wondering how you compare to them. Sometimes it can be inspiring Sometimes it can really be crushing to realize that you'll never be able to do what that person has done. But there's something very good in that because you know what? They'll never be able to do what you're doing. No one is ever able to do exactly what the other is doing because we are each on our own path. And yet they're all bound together in some beautiful way. But as I was feeling this kind of discouragement, kind of realizing that I may never be as successful in certain ways as these people, no matter what I do, this certain type of monetary success or a certain type of popularity or achieve certain goals or win certain prizes, but that, you know what, and it really has nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with whether or not I'm going to keep going. It has nothing to do with the promise I made that this is what I'm going to do no matter what. And again, all that discouragement kind of just fell off the table. I mean, it just wasn't part of what really mattered. Once I realized that it didn't have any impact, I'm not going to quit. That's the beauty of that promise. I can't overstate it enough. We make so many promises to other people. But there's just one promise to make to yourself, to really make and never break it. Even if you break it, to re-promise it, to go back and recommit and start again. The promise to be yourself. The promise to follow who you are. The promise to fulfill your destiny one way or another. And the fulfillment of that destiny is in that promise. It almost happens the instant you make the promise. That's all part of Kind of like what we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode. This one constant experience. This one huge moment. 
this one object called your life. You make a promise to your own life to live it. To live it the best you possibly can. And no amount of discouragement, no amount of intimidation, no amount of fear can ultimately break that promise. We'll feel all those feelings. I mean, I'll feel like, what's the point? doesn't matter if I feel like that. I made this promise, so I have to keep going. That's the test. Something else I was thinking about, kind of with all these thoughts in my mind, and I wonder how you feel about this, is sort of the atmosphere of thoughts themselves. I mean, as we're walking around, going through our day-to-day life, just think of all the stuff on our minds. There's just tons and tons and tons and tons of thoughts swimming around. Now, I don't care how particularly focused any one of us might be at any given time. There still seems like, in one way or another, there's an infinite number of thoughts. Because even if they're not the most upfront and center occupying the majority of our attention, there's somewhere there in the background, or there's residue of past thoughts and experiences still hovering around. Memories. But they're different than memories, in a way. They're more active than recalling a past event. It's the the radiant effect of that event lingering around. Like as though a, an experience kind of was a was an explosion in a way. And that the residue of that explosion lingers around the light from the explosion. The dust, the heat. It kind of hovers around your, your whole being. We're walking around with all this stuff going on inside our heads. And it seems like we can contain it. It seems like no one else really knows what's going on in our heads. And I suppose that no one really does. But we can pretty much make a safe guess that if we have a lot of thoughts swimming around in our heads, that other people do too. We're kind of looking at one another, especially if we're strangers, with this unspoken awareness that we both know we got all this stuff in our minds, and then we just go about our day wondering what to do about it, and all these thoughts and fears, hopes, dreams, confusion, We're dragging all of it around, not as though it's a burden, but it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff, and it's all kind of hovering around together, creating this shared atmosphere. I don't really know what to say about it more than that, except that it seems tangible. It seems quite striking and most likely is very powerful and probably influences how we feel day to day, not just about our own lives, 
but about this whole reality of other people. We're experiencing everybody else's thought atmosphere, too. Now, I know this gets kind of loosey-goosey. I mean, again, trying to, to talk about this stuff. But I hope you understand what I mean here. It's cultivating. I mean, if we're walking around with all this thought, how it feels to be us, that can't just be completely contained. It has to leak out a little bit. I mean, you can tell if you're, let's say, interacting with someone at a restaurant or a, a store and someone's in a bad mood, you can tell. You can feel it. We can pick up on these things. We're connected in this way. You know, you read people's body language. You can see it in their eyes. You can see how they're they're carrying themselves. There's some in, very intuitive ability that we have to feel what's going on in someone's head. Again, we can't read their mind. We might not know the specifics, but you pick up on a general atmosphere of someone's inner world. And imagine all of our inner worlds together, bouncing off one another, interacting with one another, going out into the world day to day. It's got to add up to something. What is it adding up to? Maybe that's what adds up to life, to the world. You know, we think our inner world, our inner world of private thoughts and feelings and memories and fears and confusion, like that's just for us, just stays there. No, it's got to somehow impact what's going on around us. I feel like it would be foolish to not think it has some impact. It's America WK. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. We can make people do anything. We can take anything from them. We can tell them what rights they have and don't have. We can seize their property. We can tell them what they can do with their property. It's just an invitation to totalitarianism, actually. It's a giant, wide-open door to a totalitarian state based upon the need to save the planet. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. We're back at America WK. It's Andrew WK. In the last segment, just talking about this atmosphere of thoughts, this atmosphere of our inner world. When we're walking around, this kind of imagine like a little cloud, not like a rain cloud or a sad cloud, just a little cloud of feeling or energy of some sort that kind of bubbles around our heads, bubbles around maybe our whole body. And we take that with us wherever we go. And for uh, the most part, it is ours. We contain it, but a little bit of it goes out and interacts with the world around us. A little bit of that cloud bumps up into someone else and into their cloud. And a little bit of all of our clouds connect and create this shared space, this shared air, shared air of thoughts, 
And that's very strange to imagine little bits of our inner world leaking out and binding up with other people in this sort of hovering, almost like smog. And I don't want to compare it to all negative things like rain clouds, although we need rain clouds, or smog. But this mist that hangs over us, I hope that we can contribute goodness to that mist, that shared cloud. I hope we can make it a beautiful mist, maybe like the kind of beautiful mist that occurs around sunset or sunrise at twilight when there's a nice glow and all those particles aren't actually pollution, but actually are beautiful little segments, little particles, segments of individual pieces that make the world more beautiful. We can contribute goodness and let a little bit of that leak out. If we can discipline ourselves enough to wrangle our inner world into some kind of control, maybe we can help get some control over the little bit of atmosphere that we take with us around into the outside world. We've talked about how being polite, trying to be considerate, having good manners, that seems to encourage an improvement in the quality of the atmosphere, the human atmosphere. Just a thought, something I'm trying to work on. And also just uh, to sum up what we were talking about for so much of today's episode about our destiny, next time you feel like giving up, reconfirm that promise. It's like vows, like wedding vows. The whole thing is very much like getting married to your own life. Not to put that over marriage to another person. But a marriage is very symbolic in that it is a vow. It is an eternal promise. And when someone tells you, oh, you should give up on that dream. You should give up on that path. You should give up on that hope. You should give up on that pursuit. You just say, it's not even possible for me to consider giving up. I made a promise. I made a vow. I am wedded to this destiny. And I will follow it wherever it takes me. And sometimes you renew those vows. Not always because they need to be rekindled or strengthened, but just to put them back first and foremost in the front of your mind to have that clarity of purpose to have that filter with which everything else is seen from that point of perspective that allows all the parts of life to somehow make sense in their the relation to our destiny the relation to why we're here we might not be able to organize everything but that desire is very natural. It's a desire to extract meaning from the world. To make things make sense. Thank you very much for being with me. For your patience. For your generosity. For bearing with me as I 
struggle through my own confusion. But the struggle is a joy very much in its own way. It's that pushing against things. It's that wrestling that makes you stronger. It's not always pleasant for me or I imagine for you. That doesn't mean I'm not thankful for it. And I'm certainly thankful for your participation. Stay very strong. Recommit and repromise as many times as it takes. I mean, I have to do it many times a minute, it feels like, on some days. To not let your own weakness get the best of you. Keep on going. Keep that promise front and center. A promise is a beautiful thing in its simplicity. It removes the torture of choice. It removes the stress of decision. It is the final choice. The one choice that informs every other choice. The choice to live your life. For all it's worth. The choice to stay strong, no matter what. Thank you again. I love you. And talk to you soon. This is America WK. Hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.